welcome back to the Compound Podcast. This is episode 82. Yeah, I think so. 82. 82. Presented by Parse. Rum. Everybody loves Parse. I love Parse. You love Parse. Rum. Dakota wins. Shocker. Dakota cheating yet again. Guys, the World Series is set. It is. And we have an unbelievable guest this week. We have. I'm going to. I'm gonna be honest. Sorry, real quick about the World Series. This you should say tell you're not how watching. much. You say you're not this, watching it. You're a liar. No, this should tell you how much my brain goes to football when it's football season and it's Michigan State, Michigan week. There was I was scrolling through the channels earlier and it said Astros, Red Sox, and I was like, oh, this must be like Game Six or something. Game seven. And I <laughs> I turned it on and watched like a couple pitches, and I go. Wait a second. Didn't the Astros already win this series? Oh it took God. me a good like 20 seconds where I was like, oh, wait, it's already the World Series. That's just, I'm just, a, I'm a football guy in the fall. Sorry. Sorry. You're paid. You're if paid I'm a football guy, in the, I will watch the World Series, obviously. No, you won't. I mean, I, not over football. I think there's some unbelievable storylines in the World Series. I think Dusty being back to the World Series, not having a title yet, is fantastic. Sick. Yeah. The Braves and their completely new outfield after the deadline is incredible the Braves in general like there's something to be said about an underdog team who is motivated and you do not want to play them I mean and they took I mean the fact that they took out that Dodgers team also really cool thing I heard today there will be 50 well Tom have you seen this how many different teams in the last 15 teams in the last 21 years I don't know how I'm expecting Tom I, don't you do this all day come on how am I expected to know that off the top of my head? I got, I got your picks here. I'm working on that. Only one thing at a time. I think it's 15 team, 15 different teams in the last 21 years. There's only since the turn of the century. There's only been sounds good. Th- sounds incredible. You nailed it. Yep. There's only been three. There's only been three franchises to win multiple times. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And nobody has gone back to back. Yes. In the last 21 yes. years, there hasn't been a repeat. I think it was like 25, something like that. 21. Whenever the Yankees, yeah. the Yankees were and, left, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Didn't they? they won it a couple times. It speaks to how difficult it is to win a World Series and how hard it is to have a dynasty and how even as good as the Dodgers have been, as good as the Astros have been, as good as the Cubs were, that they're, it's so mean? hard to win back-to-back World Series. Were? And what do you mean were? Whoa, Cubs are still good. In 2016, 2017. The Cubs Dakota. are still good. 15, 16, 17. Those Cubbies, three CSs. Only one World Series. Everybody at the time was like, cool, what the fuck? It's not that easy. Go ahead. I, Whatever I you're going to say. I'm sorry, but I saw a tweet that said the Braves at the deadline were, I think, 44 and 46. And the Cubs were 44 and 45 at the deadline or at the, at the All-Star break. Hmm. That's, what, what, did, what did the two teams finish? That's wild. <laughs> That is insane. Jock's the difference. Send Jock, Jock is away. a winner. What That's happens. what I'm hearing. That's what I'm Safe. hearing is that Jock Peterson, winner. Safe to say there will be a lot of pearls on people's necks around the next few years if they pull this off. He's a, he's a yes. Atlanta legend already. They win this thing, they're going to put a statue up for Jock. Uh, this is a long interview, so we should get into it. But is there anything, any World Series prediction? I think, Tom, our brackets are horrid. Yeah, you're, you're, you're bra- I have them in front of me. Dakota leads the way with three out of eight. Let's Zach, go! second with two out of eight. But Zach is the only person who has a team left. So I think if Zach gets the World Series, he he has the Astros winning. So he's the only team left alive. So 
If the Astros win, Zach wins the bracket. I didn't we put a lot of money on this too? That's crazy. Uh, Yeah, I think think a couple million. Can't bet on baseball. Can't bet on baseball. Braves in six. Ian went one for eight. Ian Ian got Atlanta over Milwaukee and missed every other series. Hey, nice work. But but Ian, you know what you did? You tried hard, and that's tried hard. No, that's what counts. Tried real hard. As long as you did your best, that's all I can ask from you. That was a toughie. Um, All right. Let's get into the interview. Oh, okay. I need I guess, a. Pr- I, need I guess a Zach's the host now. I guess Zach's the host. I need a prediction. I need a prediction. I need a prediction. I got. I'm not even going to say mine because it'll be completely and totally wrong. I got. I got Strohs and six. Braves and six. Braves and six. I think Braves get it done. Dude, that would be sick. That'd be awesome. I'm going Braves and seven. I'm being different. All right. Uh, Let's get into this Josh Donaldson interview. A lot of hitting talk. I don't know if Dakota is going to say a word or not. We'll see. Here we go. I said a couple. I said a couple. Thanks to Zach for the Twitter reach out. We have the man, the myth, the legend, Josh Donaldson (laughs) on the pod, bringer of rain. Welcome to the compound. Thanks, man. Enjoy it. I'm I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. Dude, you so so you just started tweeting. You started going off during the playoffs and everybody was loving it, huh? I mean, it seemed like the response was uh, overall pretty positive that I was tweeting about it. it was, I, I was pretty pissed. I don't – did you not – you didn't tweet about the last game maybe or like the last two games or something like that? And I was I was looking at Twitter. I was like, damn, where's Donaldson doing it again or what? And I didn't see anything. I was like, damn. Yeah, I, I was on daddy duty. We, we have a, a newborn. She's 11 months old. Uh, so, I mean, I, I was having to pull – uh, some daddy, daddy duty, and uh, my uh, girlfriend's mother's birthday was, I think, game five. But I was kind of watching, half not watching. So I try to, I try not to just tweet without having any knowledge of the situation. <laughs> you need to see a couple bad calls before you jump on the Twitter. Yeah, I need to. I need to see something that's going to give me, you know, uh, some ammo. Are Are you someone who who uh, will watch baseball and like? off the field as well or you kind of tune it out no i'm pretty even during the season i I try to keep up with everything that's going on and kind of see where everybody's at um whether i mean i'm first off uh, i've always been a baseball fan you know i've always enjoyed the game so i I do enjoy watching it Uh, i'm sure you guys have played with people who you know probably don't love baseball but they're good at it uh, I've just always kind of been a guy who's loved the game and uh, I, I want to keep, keep track of what's going on. Yeah, you love the game and you're also seem to be pretty good at it. So yeah, it's a pretty good combination. Yeah. Both going yeah I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> what's the, uh, what's the off season look like for you right now? How do you, were we three weeks in? Yeah, I've uh, had to do a little bit of medical stuff after the season was over. And then now I'm in Toronto. Uh, my, with my girlfriend, we're doing some visa stuff right now. So uh, trying to get that worked through. So in Toronto, it's in the weather starting to drop right now. So it's getting pretty cold. Uh, so I've been kind of dialed into uh, to the games mostly because I haven't really been able to do much outside of it. What's what's typical for you? Are you like a month off or you get right back at it? What's the what's the normal offseason look like? Yeah, I think it just depends on how the season goes. Uh, you know, playing a when you're playing a full season, um, you know, I'd like to give my body a break. If you know, playing and then finishing 
there's been seasons. So 2018, I missed a lot of games. And then towards the end of the year, I got healthy. So I went right into, after the season was over, right into things that I felt like I needed to, to accomplish. Um, 2012, I had been up and down. I think I got sent down three, two or three times. And the, really the last two months of the year is when I really started figuring things out. And we made a playoff run and got beat by Detroit in the playoffs. Verlander game five, we got Verlander. And, uh, <laughs> and he probably did one of the best games I've, I've ever been a part of uh, on the other side. So it was, that wasn't very fun. But at the, at the end, I felt I was kind of pissed that we lost because I was like, I was like, I felt like I was like right there to just absolutely going off, to just yeah. having like a, a ridiculous playoff. So I went back. My buddy was in California. I went and stayed two weeks at his house, and him and I were we, – we bounced ideas hitting off each other all the time. And I'm like, I don't want to lose what I have right now. I want to keep ingraining this. So I went and spent two weeks there and really just dialed in a lot of movement patterns, a lot of like reinforcing movements that I was doing. And, uh, and then after that, took a little bit of time off, played a little bit of golf. Um, but probably took only a month off. Uh, maybe not even a month getting in the weight room, all those things uh, that I felt like I needed to do this year. It'll be more running uh, as much as possible agility, just really just trying to reinforce getting my legs, not just strong, like physically, but strong mobility wise and running and, and doing the things that I want to do. Cause in the box, I feel, you know, very similar to a lot of the years where I've had success. It's just kind of more on a day-to-day basis, you know, keeping my legs underneath me as far as the running and self concerned. And I think the way I'm going to attack that is just get after it running as much as possible this off season. And, you know, that's the one thing that I've hated the most. <laughs> I think is, I think is, I think as athletes, we hate running because we've had to do so much of it in our entire life baseball players too because we just were 90 feet at a time don't make me run yeah. more than 90 i want to jog the last 90 if it's a double no doubt no doubt no doubt so, but for me it's like i'm having to sprint 180 just to get to the double so i'm like I, I, <laughs> i'm one i'm wanting to uh clean that up to where i can coast a little bit to save my legs it, it was funny you say that you hit a ground ball to me this year i think it was one of our my first times playing against you guys and i didn't know that your leg was bothering you all year yeah and i came in i came in and kind of charged it like really hard and i i look up and you're like not even halfway at first and i'm just like what the fuck happened so i go to like yeah. the bench coach comes up to me he's like hey shorty you know Josh kind of, he's on kind of one leg right now. So you don't have to come and get every ball against him. And I was yeah. just like, yeah, I look up and I'm just like, Oh my God, where is he? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> that makes, that makes no, him feel no, good. No. I bet. Yeah. No, no, no. He's never coming saying, back on this podcast ever again. No, 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 I'm, no, no, no. I'm, I'm alluding fun. to the no, fact I that I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't know that I your understand. leg was beat, beat up and to going into the off season, kind of rehabbing that and running is kind of ironic to me. That's all. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel the last month and a half of the seasons when I finally started getting my legs underneath me a little bit and, um, you know, I got put behind the eight ball first game of the season. First at bat, hit a double off Woodruff. And uh, I'm like, I was feeling sexy at the time. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to I'm gonna turn it on a little bit. And as soon as I went to turn it on, hammy grabbed. 
and I've never had hamstring issues in my entire career. It's been uh, calf issues uh, mostly. And when that happened for the rest of the year, I was like, and then we started off, you know, we started off okay the first like eight games. And then we started kind of hitting a, uh, a big slide. So I'm like, I need to get out there as much as I can. And knowingly that, you know, I couldn't run the way that I, I need to or wanted to, but you know, as Hap said, you know, I could still, you know, drive the ball. And, and then if I could, you know, hit a homer or, you know, a, a for sure double uh, without hurting myself, I felt like I was okay. But uh, that's going to be my emphasis because I, I feel like I still feel like I have, you know, a lot left in the tank. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, keeping my legs healthy. One of the kind of like you- JD. I was just going to say, it's kind of like JD in the playoffs when he rolled his ankle. It's like, I mean, he still can drive the ball. Like he's not beating out infield singles anyway. So. Yeah. Well, I've never been a speed guy anyhow. Like I've had enough speed to where if I hit a slow roller that I could make it a play, um, you know, barring the situation, but you know, that's just never really been an element to my game. Uh, But defensively, you know, keeping that lateral quickness, being able to come in on balls and, and to do those things is, you know, I still value playing defense. And I feel like I can still do it. So I want to, I want to be able to go out there and, and play at a, at a high level. And I think that's the one niche for me that I, I feel like I have to do. One of the craziest things about baseball that I think it's hard to comprehend if you're not in it every day is you don't get that time to recover. Like if you want to get to give your body a little bit of a break, you're st- you're playing every day. So mm-hmm. it, whether it's playing third base and the pitcher, or I guess in the AL, it's not the same, but somebody hits a, a rollover to you and you have to come charge it. Like you can grab in a second doing something like mm-hmm. that. If you have mm-hmm. something that's tweaked. So you never really get, even when you're trying to manage out of the box, you just don't get that time to fully recover. And I think what players that are in it, you have such respect for the dudes that have a tweak and go out there and can manage their body. Like I've, we talk about this a lot because when you see dudes that play 150 games every year and the dudes that play 162, which I think is bananas, the way that they manage their body throughout a season to stay healthy, it it always blows my mind. I've always had so much respect. Like when you get to that last week and you see dude, it's like game 160, he's got 700 plate appearances. You're like, damn. Yeah, impressive. it is. It is. And, um, you know, to be able to do that, you have to, I think, building that foundation in your offseason of the work and being smart and then carrying that through the season. And, you know, for me, it's, you know, because I played 158, um, 155 plus for my first five, six years in the, in the show. And I, you know, didn't get called up till I was 27. That was really my first full season. Um, 27, 28, and having to learn how to do that on the fly, really, because I went from catching, breaking in as a catcher, and then now turning into a third baseman, and uh, having to figure out how to to do that, and uh, you know, spend a lot a lot of time in our coaching staff's back pocket, guys that have done it before, trying to hey, like what I'm hanging today, like what do I do, like I right, take a step in, you know. Uh, don't make that throw as long, you know, just trying to make little things out of the box. You know, uh, I, I had a, I had a really great talk with uh, Rossi before our, our series before uh, in Minnesota. And, you know, the guys that are able to play at a high level, they're 
they're able to play more at that floor where it's like 70%, but still by being smart, by being thoughtful, by knowing situations of the game, the, the plays that are going to happen before they happen, you can kind of be ready and anticipating to move to where you're not having to mm-hmm. sit there and just full break out of it. Like I remember the first time I saw it, we were playing the Red Sox and they had a shift on me. Um, and Pedroia was in the middle of the field and they were throwing me like a cutter away or something like that. And I was swinging and I saw this, I saw him running to like the <laughs> four hole. And I was like, what the, I was like, what the hell is he doing? I'm like, and I hit a, and I hit a ball. I hit a ball like right there. I'm like, this guy was full, like full speed almost by the time. I hit the ball and I'm like, Oh my, I'm like, okay, like that's different. And I think that's kind of being lost a little bit in our game with the analytic part of it. It's like, Hey, stay here Yep. to where like, Hey, stay in this position. He's going to hit it to you. And we get comfortable knowing because, Hey, I mean, a lot of times balls do get hit at us. Right. Uh, but we, so we lose that kind of instinctual part of the game where we're moving before the play happens. Uh, knowing the pitcher on the mound, like who who's you're playing defense behind, does he get a lot of balls hit hard normally, or does guys hit balls soft off this guy? Is uh, it being able to kind of float and and know that he doesn't give a lot of doesn't give up a lot of barrels on the ground, that those ground balls he gives up are those soft ones where I'm really having to charge in on. So I'm kind of knowing who we who you've got on the mound, like you can already kind of start moving before it happens. And knowing guys' swings, you know, you've been around the – once you start seeing guys and their swings and their tendency, their patterns, and especially when you know the swing, like if guys are getting around balls and they're going to be hooking balls up, you know, in the six hole for you, like you're already kind of moving that way. Or for me, like I'm moving kind of down the line uh, in that situation. Or if they really stay inside, guy, you don't really have to worry about your six hole if, he's, if he stays inside the baseball. You know, you're going to be moving more towards the left. So it's just – being able to pick these things up over the course of time, uh, it helps manage those injuries that, that we're talking about. Yeah, and with how with how many platoons and in and out, how how much the lineup changes now, I feel yeah. like you you don't get that ability for guys to go out and play every day and learn mm-hmm. how to do it, learn how to manage mm-hmm. your body, learn how to read swings, learn how to take chances on on being in position and know your uh, your pitchers because you have guys that, and I, I was a victim of it. My first probably three, four years of my career where it was like when the days that you get in the game, you're like, if I, I got to go out there and all you care about is putting up enough numbers to play the next day. Mm-hmm. You're like, fuck, I got, I got to go out there and get a couple knocks and get on base three times so that I'm not out of line tomorrow. Because when you yeah. hit two homers and been taken out and it struck out four times and been taken out, you're like, <laughs> I just got to find a way to stay in the goddamn lineup. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you a piece of advice and a story of what happened for me. Right. I played in the A's and, you know, there were predominantly, uh, I mean, it's the same, they were a little bit ahead of the time as far as the platoons. Uh, obviously if you've seen the mo- uh, movie Moneyball, right. I remember 2012, I got the starting job and as, as a third baseman, but they told me that I wasn't going to start opening day against King Felix. And, so I'm like, all right, like you just said, I'm the starter. I don't really care. I don't need to start opening day. So I'm going to start and I'll get my at-bats, right? Well, I get sent down 18 games into the season. And uh, Bob Melvin, the manager that's still there, calls me in the office. 
And I don't think Bob would have any issue with me uh, saying this. If he does, I apologize, Bob. But I think it's a good learning experience for a lot of ball players, honestly. Uh, and he calls me in the office, and I'd kind of caught wind the night before that I was going to get sent down. They picked up a guy off waivers, uh, Luke Hughes, who had never played third base in his life, but they were going to put him over there. <laughs> and uh, so I go into the office, and everything's kind of going well. And we're talking. I'm like, hey, do you mind if I close the door? He's like, sure, go ahead. Let me finish. I go, not, not a problem. Well, he finishes talking. And uh, he's like, all right, you, you, you can say what you need to say. I said, all right, Bob. I said, I have one problem. I said, I don't have an issue of me getting sent down. I said, I didn't play well. I didn't hit like I normally do. Um, and defensively, I was just doing okay. And uh, I said to him, I'm like, the issue I have is you told me I was going to be the starting third baseman. But me and Eric Sogar, we we played nine games apiece at third base. And here's what, you know, Ian, what you're talking about is, and, and he didn't believe me at the beginning. And then Chili Davis walked in and he comes back in. And he goes, Josh, you're right. Uh, you played nine. He, uh, Eric Sogar played nine. I'm like, I know. I, I already looked it up. And he, he's like, uh, he goes, well, do you think if you would have played every day that you would have performed better? And I looked at him in the eye and I said, Bob, I'm not a fortune teller. I can't tell you that I would have hit 300. I said, but what I can tell you is what I felt. You told me I was a starting third baseman. And when I didn't start anymore, now I started having that feeling what Ian said, is that I had to go out there and get a hit. And I had to make it happen. And um, I'm like, I've played every day in my, of my career going uh, from the minor leagues, college, whatever. It didn't matter. There was no such thing as a platoon when I was coming up. And once I did that, I started feeling pressure. Now, is that your fault? Was that Bob's fault that I started feeling that? No, but that was my fault for doing that. Uh, but that's just what I felt. And I was being honest with him. And, I, I, uh, you know, he looked at me and he goes, I understand. And so then they didn't even know where I was going to be playing when I got sent down. They didn't know if I was going to be a catcher or if they didn't know if I was going to play third. And they asked me, they said, where do you want to play? I said, well, if I don't have a chance to get back to the big leagues, I want to play catcher because I know another team will pick me up. I have value because I can, you know, I can swing it. And I, I was decent back there. I said, but if I have a chance to get back to the big leagues, I want to play third. And uh, they're all right, well, we don't really know. And so I left. And then like three days later, three days later, they call our manager calls me in the office. who I was, He's their hitting coach now, Darren Bush. And he goes, Josh, they're going to play you uh, four or five times a week. Now, I played every day before this. So I was kind of starting to see the writing on the wall. Like I was like on the cusp of being a 4A player. And so I was on that edge and I was like, I'm sitting there in the cage and I'm like, all right. I had a conversation with my mom and, you know, she wanted to blame every, everything on everybody, front office agent, everybody, you know, mom must <laughs> look out for you. And I finally, I had this epiphany and I'm like, look, it's not their fault. I'm like, this is on me. I said, I don't want you to worry about it. I said, I'm going to figure this out. And sure enough, when I got back down, 
I put my, you know, put my head down and got my ass back to work, started figuring, trying to figure things out, experimenting, going outside the box. Obviously, I'm sure you guys have heard my explanations on hitting. Nobody was talking about any of this stuff before. And when I would say stuff about this, people looked at me sideways and, um, you know, I put my, like I said, put my head down, started getting to work and now I'm changing stuff in the middle of a season in AAA with my life on the line, you know, because I was at that point of where it was going to work or not. I was burning my last option, you know, thankfully had some guys that were willing to work with me and I go, uh, I hit like four twenty with eight homers in AAA and I get recalled 20 days later and I start kind of putting it together a little bit better at the major league level. And, but I still, I wasn't having success. I was having better at bats. I was making more quality contact. And then they turned me into the backup catcher. I'd caught two games in the minor leagues. Hadn't caught it all in the uh, big leagues that year. I get turned into the backup catcher in, uh, and I'm up there for like three weeks, get a couple of bats and they send me down. And that was the happiest I'd ever been sent down in my life. Because I was like, I felt like I was on the cusp. I was like, all right, what's the next thing that I need to do? Because I felt like guys were dictating my bats. I was putting better swings together and I was starting to get there. I'm like, but I felt like they're dictating my contact. And I'm like, all right, I got to figure out an approach. And so I started cutting the plate in halves. I'm like, all right, I'm either looking in, I'm looking away. And whatever, which one it is, I'm, t- I'm spitting on whatever I'm not looking on. And I'm trusting my eyes, right? And so I end up hitting like 340 or something like that in AAA. With, I had like 15, I think, at the time, 15, 16. I can't remember. But I was like, Brandon Inge had separated his shoulder. And uh, once he separated his shoulder in Chicago, they had sat me for two days, like just in case I was about to go back up. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, I feel like I'm more ready right now than I know who I am. I know what I want to do. I don't need anybody telling me what I need to do. Like, I know what I'm, what I, what I need to go out there and do right now. And I had hit a homer like the day before uh, the last game that I was in AAA. And so I get recalled, go to Kansas City, first at bat. I'm, I'm grinding. Uh, it's not James Shields, it was, uh, Jeremy Gunthrie. I'm grinding Jeremy Gunthrie down, grinding him down. And I get to like a two-two count, and I punch a ball through the four hole, like just like all right, like I'm staying in it. I like, I don't care if I get beat right now. I'm I'm just trying to I'm trying to grind and work this at bat. And I hit like a two hopper through the four hole, and that was the first cheap hit I had in the big leagues. And I was like, okay, they do I'm exist like, in the big <laughs> Yeah, I'm like I'm like I'm like, damn, I'm like all right, maybe this is my time. And I end up walking like my second or third at bat, go one for three. Our team gets three hits and I put together quality at bats and made a couple of nice plays on defense. We lose the game. I leave that day. I feel good about myself. I'm like, all right, the work I've been putting in is going to pay off. Right. I face Will Smith, the closer for the Braves. He was a starter and I get sawed off bleeder over shortstop head i'm like shit i'm like all right all right all right all right you know like two cheap hits in a day 
has never had this in the big leagues. And then he, he throws me that curveball that he's known for my second at bat, and I hit it probably like 420 down the line. And I'm like, all right, I'm like, I'm dialed. I'm, I'm locked. I'm like, I'm going to have success. I started believing it, right? That confidence is a, is a crazy thing. And the rest of the year, I hit 290 with eight, nine, end up becoming the starting third baseman in that. So with that being said, like going back to Ian's part, like that mentality, I went that last time to the big leagues versus saying, I'm going to go make it happen. I went there that last time saying, our team's winning right now. I just want to help contribute in one way today, whatever it is. If it's defensively, if it's hitting, if it's getting, if it's moving a guy over, if it's getting that bleeder, bleeder hit, if it's, you know, having a 10 pitch at bat, whatever it may be, um, I was going to try to do one thing positive for our team. And then once I got the first thing, I was on to the second. I wanted to do the second thing. And it just kept me in the game nonstop versus you have one bad at bat or you make one bad play. You know, you, you, you're, you're your own worst critic, especially myself, to where you go from kicking yourself and like, nope, I'm here to make one good thing happen today. Make one thing. And now it allows you to kind of turn the page a little bit quicker and not to focus on the negative stuff because in our game, it's so hard not to, to beat yourself up because uh, it is hard to have success. And then that's when my definition of what actual success started to change. It, it's, it's funny you say that because, you know, this year was my first year. I didn't have all the, you know, the success I wanted, obviously. And it was like, I got not overwhelmed by the moment, but it was like, okay, I have to be absolutely perfect in everything I do. And back to both of your points where you were saying, you know, you're playing fine, but it feels like you need to get five hits every at bat where, and like, I was still getting rolled out there every day and it was just like, fuck, I need a hit here. And like you said, they were dictating the at bat for me. And I have like a perfect mm -hmm. example is like when my was throwing, it was like, I know exactly what he's going to do to me. And I'm still playing mm -hmm. into his hand by swinging at that, the seventh slider in a row that he's thrown me where mm -hmm. it's like, why, why, why am I not trusting it? Or why am I, you know, okay, hey, let's work a count here instead of trying to hit hit and get that lucky hit where your average for me, where, you know, again, I, I understand average is not a huge stat anymore no, than no. it used to be. But it's like I'm trying to get my hit where my one hit a game with limited at-bats is going to raise my average 15 points and I'm going to play for the next week. You know, and it, it just alludes to that point where it's like if you just do one thing at a time and kind of take it, you know, as cliche as it sounds, pitch by pitch, play by play, yeah. you're going to look, you're going to look back and be like, oh shit, I actually did help the team a little bit this last week. And I didn't even realize it. Well, I mean, those cliches are there for a reason, you know, I mean, it, it's, you know, people like, oh, that's cliche. Well, well, shit, that's a cliche because it's true, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, I think whenever you determine like what, what is your success? Like, what is it going to be? Like, what do you envision? Um, and not everybody's definition of success is going to be the same. You know, for you to, like, seven pitch at bat, you know, or extending an inning, you know, keeping, keeping the line moving, taking your hit to right field, because, like, this, this is what ends up happening. 
and it used to be a little bit more. Now you just have guys that are just reliant sheer on stuff and just trying to blow you away and or just trying to throw you eight sliders in a row, like uh, because analytics tells them to do that. And you you get a lot of mistakes that you're like, damn, I should have hit that out. Well, like if you ever think about like the times when you start going unconscious and, you know, I know uh, I, I saw Ian go through it a couple of times this year. I, I think the when you start backtracking and looking at it, it's like, all right, what got me to get there? Was it taking that ball? I remember we played Ian in Chicago. And I don't know how much success he had there, but we played him again in Minnesota and he had a ball like third deck, like high fastball. Um, and then hit a couple – I think he left in the next series, was hitting some balls over uh, dead center. You know, I think as hitters, and this is one of the better pieces of advice I've had from the coach. It's like the swing is like a typewriter, like an old typewriter. I don't know if you guys might be too young to even know what the hell that is. But so the typewriter starts left and goes all the way over. And then you got to slide it back. And then now you go back and then you got to slide it back. Well, the swing – in order to start getting those pull side, unless you're just going to – I've only seen a few guys that are just strictly pull side guys that have had, like, what I would deem successful careers. Like, you have to be able to take that ball and hit it to over the second baseman's head or take that hard ground out to the second baseman and then stick with it until you get hit that ball in the right center because that's going to keep you on pitches versus, you know, you get that seven slider and run, you're like, all right, I'm trying to take a bridge now because I've seen it so many times. Like, it looks like a beach ball versus like, all right, I'm going to I'm gonna try to hit this ball over the second baseman's head. And now if he just clips – if he speeds my bat up just a little bit, that's going to give me the pull side. But if we get too anxious of going to the pool side first, now you get the rollover. You are, you you are speaking right to me right now, and this yeah, is fantastic. Yeah. What's up, Compound listeners? It is producer Tom. Let's step aside for a moment and talk about today's sponsor, DraftKings. NFL fans hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. $200. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If the sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, don't worry. DraftKings won't let you leave empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code COMPOUND. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200, $200 in free bets if they win. If they win, you win with promo code COMPOUND this week at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, back to the show. There's a lot of times that I've felt like that with my swing. Typewriter is a great analogy. 
but it's like when you start, you start getting knocks and you're going the other way and you're in singles, your balls are falling out the middle. You start to hit a couple homers and then you get a little, you get a little big, you get a little happy. And then you start to trail off and you have to, you have to move back over. You go, All right. Then yep. you get a knock the other way. You get, and then yep. it starts again. It's this constant yep. cycle. And I think the dudes that are the best in the league and that don't go cold for that time, they, they have the ability to constantly be getting all types of hits. They, they don't fall into that trap as much where they're, they take their knocks and they're, they, when the homers present themselves, when the guy throws that pitch, they just take, they just take it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something like with the exit velocity and stuff like that. I know that I've gotten caught up in it. I don't know about you guys, but I've definitely got caught up into it a little bit to the fact that my, like, all right, I just want to hit the ball hard every time to where, you know, I'm getting pitches, whether it's inside, whether it's that, you know, cutter that's middle and I see it and I'm like, all right, like barrel, like I want to like barrel it versus, you know, you look at guys that are really good hitters, like per se, like guys that know how to handle the bat, like they're okay with getting that. All right. He, this guy's going to spin me a cutter and it's going to back up a little bit versus me saying, all right, let's let's blitz and boom like and trying to and trying to take it bridge because like we get those rollovers because that barrel just speeds up a little too quick and gets in front of us you know like one of my big focuses uh, and i'd be interesting what you have to say is i like to think my bottom hand like so my left hand and so if this is like uh, you can't probably see this toothpick. Dude, with this a toothpick, a... that's unbelievable. Yeah. Toothpick. So a toothpick, a toothpick. That's what I want it to feel like. <laughs> like, like the rollover, this happens, right? Like, so like this speeds up and starts going this way versus the left hand. I really want to try, try to hold this angle to where it's like this right here. And I'm just going to hold that the entire time and stay. That's going to allow me to stay through the ball up the middle. Now, uh, doing that, if the ball runs in on me, I'll take like all right, I'm gonna hold that, let myself get jammed, and then try to, you know, you know, hopefully I have a little bit of air underneath the ball to where that drops in. I've missed that in my game the last three years of uh, because of my all right now I'm gonna I'm gonna hit this ball hard, right? And I've really been kind of trying to dive into that a little bit and say look at just look at the guys around the, like Michael Brantley I just love how how he just stays with that approach and now if you keep working in there in there in there like he'll he'll turn on you but he, he's okay with like taking that single the other way he's okay and he finds a way to kind of get some of these ground balls to go through but I think a lot of it has to do with you know his approach to hitting versus and to me, it would be like an A and a B swing. Like, be confident in that B swing just as much as you are in that A swing. Dakota, aren't you, aren't you so intrigued by listening to this as being a pitcher right now? I will say it's intriguing. I mean, I don't know much about it, but it, it sounds good. <laughs> like, I mean, it felt like we've played you guys 9,000 times this year. And we played each other like seven games in a row at one point. And somebody that comes to mind is Polanco. It's like that guy, no matter who he's facing, you know, it's – He's line to line, no matter what. And then he'll, like you said, he'll clip somebody where he takes somebody bridge. And it's just like, how did he do that after the at-bat before he gets blown up? And it's like, that's all part of his thought process or could be his approach, whatever. It's like, I am completely willing to give up 
that inside jam job or whatever you want to call it. So when they come mm -hmm. back in your next AB and it's the bottom of the 12th inning and someone's throwing a hundred and they're going to try to come back in here, I'm taking a third deck, you yeah. know, where it's, and like, it just felt like him and even a rise. It was just like, every time they got up there, they were completely fine with hitting a ball the other way. And then mm -hmm. later in the game, they might turn on something. And that, like you said, like guys like Brantley, all those, those great hitters, it, it's not a secret, you know, it's, yeah. it take those blue pits where, and that's it's honestly a great point to what you said about trying to hit the ball hard because it's like obviously the harder the balls we hit you know the better chance they are at being hits but I mean mm -hmm. look at those guys who lead in average they're getting every single you know like the room for error is just huge and that's again mm -hmm. hype of not, hits yeah right exactly you know and you're like where in the past especially for me like in the minor leagues coming up if i get jammed on a pitch in i'm like fuck i was later i'm getting around it where it's now it's if i hit a ball inside and i hit it to right i'm sprinting down the first base oh. like this like fuck yeah i did it let's go mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm, and it, mm -hmm. i that's just a great point i got i got to watch riz do it and like he he takes so many different hits i don't know that he's great at explaining it i actually can tell you he's not but he, but he does like he has all of those hits, and he he's one of the best I've ever seen at being able to go the other way, being able to get jammed, having really true spin pull side, even when he gets. Yep. Beat. But Murph, we had Daniel Murphy for a couple yep. months. The way that Murph talked about hitting was awesome, and I I got caught up in an eighteen chasing exit below because you know they tell you you know you hit the ball hard, it's so awesome. Look at your look at how look at you're in the 90th percentile. It's great. Okay. I can hit the ball 112 on the ground to the pole side. It's not every fucking time. There's seven yeah. guys over there and it's an out. <laughs> it's a, and so you get caught up in it and you feel good. Like you hit a ball 108 on the ground and you feel good. And everybody's like, nice swing. You come back in. You're like, yeah, that was a nice swing. Before you know it, you're hitting 180. But Murph yeah, talked about, yeah. he loved staying inside a ball and he would do, he would go, he's right. Just right over the shortstop. Side. Beautiful. Uh, and he and he did it, but he worked on it. He worked on it in the cage. He worked on the BP. He knew what he was trying to do. And he used the analytic side of it to say, if I hit a ball between 12 and 20 degrees, it doesn't matter how hard I hit it. I could hit it 70 miles yes. an hour. I could hit it 110. Yes. It's a hit 75% of the time. So you hit it on the ground, it's an out. Yeah, and see, that's where people get confused with the launch, the launch angle shit is they're thinking that launch angle is like, I'm trying to hit it like 35 degrees at 105 and trying to launch it way out. Like, no, that's not that, the right. goal. The goal is that 10 to 20, like that's where you want to live at. That's where, that's where you, in a perfect world, that's where you want to be. And then once you like get dialed in, now it's like, all right, I can think about catching the ball a little bit more out in front. And then that's where you catch the homers. But until you find that sweet spot in your swing to where it's like, all right, it's it's ten to you know twenty or whatever the degree. I mean, even you know even not like eight to nine, like still not bad. But I think as hitter, and so that was the biggest thing in my mind that I had to change because when I was coming up throughout the minor leagues and even you know college, high school, everybody was like. Hard on the ground is good. Fly balls bad, right? Like that's a that's a self. They're like to them it was that's a selfish at bat, right? Like you're trying to like go deep. No, to where I had to switch that and say okay, like 
if I miss, I'm okay. Like if I miss it, if I hit it at 35 and I missed it, like, or 40, like miss, like, okay. Like was, did I stick to my approach? Okay. Yeah. Did I feel like I saw the ball? Well, yes. Did I try to uh, manipulate throughout my swing? No. Okay. Great. Great at bat versus what you just said is like, all right, I hit that ball 108 and it's right at the shortstop. And people are like, man, like you hit that hard. Like, oh shit, if I hit the ball in the barrel and if I'm, if I'm strong, like it better be over a hundred. Like, if it's not over a hundred, like for me, like I need to, you know, I need to go put some time in the weight room. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, like what you said, whenever all the coaches and whoever, you know, coming up to the minor leagues were saying like, oh, you know, in the air, bad ground ball, good. How hard was that, you know, because you've been very vocal throughout your career of your swing change. Was it kind of like, a, you know, you said you were burning your options. Was it kind of like you're looking in the mirror like, fuck, I need to make a change? Or was it kind of like, no, I had hey, to. I, it's like, right. And it's like, hey, this isn't clearly working. So I need to do something. And like, how hard was that to kind of, you know, like I said, look yourself in the mirror and be like, hey, I might be really outside the box right here, but I'm going to win an MVP in three years. You know, like, where do you sign up? Yeah, exactly. Uh, if I would have known that, I would have been I, I would have been just like, hey, you know, middle finger up in the air, and be like, all right, whatever. Which yeah. I kind of did, which I kind of did, and I had to uh, because obviously I spent a lot more time in the minor leagues than you guys did, and I tried everything. I tried to toe tap. I tried foot down early. I tried leg kick. I tried a pickup. I tried spreading them out. I tried hands. I tried. A, I tried it all. And like to me, this is literally me in a different body right now, by the way, this is, this is. Yeah. So I, I've, I tried it all. And then I went back. I, I, this was right around the time Jose Bautista was going off at the time. Alan Craig was going off at the time. And obviously Biggie was going off. And so I started just studying them. I'm like, all right, I want to try to find like, what are, what are like some, foundation some fundamental things that these guys are doing different body types uh different uh results like what can i find something that they possess that's similar and so i just started breaking that down like body wise and movement wise okay like what do i think will translate to what how i swing because my swing's really not uh like different i've always had a pretty flat swing but how I moved to get there now is a lot different than when I first came up. And, and you could pull that up. If you look at my first home run in the big leagues, 2010, I did like a toe, I toe tap, didn't know that I was toe tapping and it had like a helicopter finish. And I was like, what the hell? And I, I, I remember I went and saw my video on uh, for the first time in the big leagues. Cause in the minor leagues, we didn't have video probably like you guys did at the time. And I thought my swing looked like King Griffey jr. And I, went, and, and I went and I went and looked at it. I was like, like my first thought was like, oh my God, like that's gross. <laughs> I'm like, that's not in my head. That's not what my swing looked like. I'm like, no wonder why I suck. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had, to, I had to start getting to work and trying to, you know, and when I was coming up, like movement was bad. Don't move, get your foot down early, knob to the baseball, like all of these like, things that you know i felt like i've evolved past and you know it plus it, it didn't work for me and if it did work it would show up for a week and then that after that week was over i'd spend a month searching for it 
to where now, like, it doesn't matter. Like for me now, if I get go into a funk now, I have a foundation of whether it's like movement patterns that I need to go to or drills that I go to. I have like a foundation. All right. This is where I got to start. All right. All the way back to step one. Boom. All right. We knocked that. Started getting comfortable there. Boom. Step two. All right. Feel that. Step three. Boom. Step that. And then now we go in the game and we trust it. Like now we go into the game. All right. What's my approach? What's this guy do? Okay. What, what do I have to do to be successful? And once you, like to me, hitting is an equation. So you have uh, A is the mechanics, B, and this is not in any specific order. Like A is the mechanics of the swing, B is the approach that you take to the plate, and then that's going to equal C. If you if you only have mechanics, you're still not getting C. If you only have approach, like you'll get there a little bit, but you're still not going to get like the full potential of what you have. And so there's a fine line. It's just like pitching uh, to the, the fact that, you know, the guys that are really good and stick around for the course of time, like they're not just throwing balls middle-middle constantly and getting away with it. Because what happens with most pitchers, you, you know, they might come up and have success right away. Guys don't have it bats off of them. And then year two comes around and guys are, all right, I know what he does. I, I, I've thought about, I've thought about this. I've seen it now. I know how it plays to me. Okay. This is how I have to attack them. Now year two comes, boom, they get hit around. Now then see, they have to start finding, you know, now they have to start finding an approach because they can get away with stuff for a year, maybe two, just depending on how things go. At some point that stuff, whether it starts ticking down a little bit or guys start getting more at bats off you, and they, you know, you start getting on TV more, playoff time, people start paying attention. And, uh, you know, now you have to start executing pitches. Those are the guys that stick around. Yeah, I think every hitter's kind of had that where they go through and they face a guy for a year, half a year, and like, damn, this guy's nasty. And then the next time you face him, you put an emphasis on what you're approaching. Well, I, I know that I know this one pitch. I know what it looks like. All right. And then you get one knock and the confidence is there. And I think that happens to a lot of guys. But it's interesting what you said about your process going through because that process of being able to reset and knowing your steps mm-hmm. it gives you confidence, right? Like that no gives doubt. you confidence to go compete. And me and Iaposi, our hitting coach, we talked a lot about that this year. It's what comes first. Does the confidence mm-hmm. come first or does the success come first? And how do you instill that confidence all the time, even when you stink? Because until you get confident, it's so hard. Yeah, so this is, this is what I tell guys, right? There's a difference between confidence and fake confidence, right? So fake confidence that leaves. And those guys might have a little bit of success. And then like I played with num- numerous guys. They get, all, they get going hot or they have a good year. Year two comes. It's just the same thing I said about pitching. Now the pitchers know who you are, mm-hmm. and now they're now now they're focused on you, and now you you know guys don't have good seasons. But for me, I went uh, 2012, like I told you, and I was like, all right, 
I started building that foundation that year, like in the minor leagues, like, what is it? Like, what is it that I'm going to do? What, what do I feel like that gets me into where I need to be? And I started building that. I went to year three and I was like, all right, or 2013. I'm like, watch out. And so it, this, this will give you like my confidence. I'll tell you where my confidence level was at. So I started the year 2013 and, uh, I was in the big leagues and I was hitting in the eight hole, right? Three weeks go by in the season and uh, I'm hitting like three or four weeks of the season. I'm hitting like 320 with like six, I think, or like five, something like that. I got off, I got off to a pretty good start. And Bob Melvin's our manager. And I looked at Bob and I said, Hey, Bob, I'm like, why am I hitting so low in your lineup? And he's like, what are you talking about, J.D.? And I'm like, you know what I'm talking about. He's like, oh, well, you know, we feel like we could score every inning with you down there. And I took that as a win because he didn't bite my head off. You know, <laughs> I was just kind of floating that idea out there. I was like, you know, this is this is 2013. That was going into my first full season. 2012, mm-hmm. I played like – I think I played like 60, 70 games maybe in the big leagues. I, I don't even know if it was that many. Um, and – so like another two weeks go by and I'm still banging. Right. And so I go up to me, he's hitting fungos uh, right beside her, the cage. And I look at him, I'm like, Hey Bob, I'm like, at this time, I think I'm hitting like five, six, seven, maybe depending on who we're facing. And uh, my like, Bob, why, why am I hitting so low in your lineup? And he's like, Diddy, I told you. We like you where so we feel like we can score every inning. And so I wasn't happy with that answer this time. And I was like, I was feeling myself and I knew like I was on to it. And I go, I said, all right. I said, okay, you, you tell me this. Miguel Cabrera gets traded over to your lineup right now. Where's he hit? Like, oh, come on, JD. <laughs> I'm like, and I go, I said, Bob, I'm not Miguel Cabrera. I said, but I'm the Miguel Cabrera of your lineup. And he goes, all right, J.D., he goes, where do you want to hit? I said, I want to hit third. He goes, okay. Next day I was in there, I hit third. And I, you know, I, I banged. I hit like three – I hit, that was the only year of my career. I hit over 300, and I hit 24 bombs and had like 94 stakes or something like that. Full, full se- – first full season, like throughout the big leagues. But I tell you that story not to – I mean, it's a cool story, but not to like – I knew where I was at, like, confidence-wise. It wasn't fake. Like, I knew I was dialed in, and I knew there was nothing that was going to take me off that. And so when he gave me my chance to hit third, like, I was ready. Versus now, uh, in a lot of lineups, they already, you know, the, the computer's making the lineup to where it doesn't matter if you get a hit. It doesn't matter if you get four knocks, like the next day, if it's not the the right starter on the mound, like you're not playing. Yep. If if the computer doesn't say that your bat path matches up to this dude's pitches, you're out. And so, and to me, I think it's, you're just, they're missing out because like for me, where I felt like I could earn playing time and I could earn that everyday ordeal uh, by performing and and uh you just don't see that uh there it is nasty what a year yeah and so that was my that was my first full season so 2012 i went sent down 
two or three times, right, to the worst player in the big leagues the first half of the season. Like I was, we were playing San Fran. I had pitchers hitting higher than me. Barry Zito. Hey, okay, this year. hey some, some of us are there, so easy, okay? <laughs> hey, well, you you have to, you know, like I said, we, we had to talk about it. Like you can figure I, out what you need to do, you know? I know, I know. And so I went from the worst player in the big leagues to – 2013, my first full season, I finished fourth in the MVP voting. First full season. Crazy. Tom, Tom just sent us that line. I just wanted to read the line for everybody so they can they know it. 301, 384, 499 was the slash. 24 homers, 93 stakes, 37 doubles. Yeah. In Oakland, you know, and I think – the big park. It, and uh, I think I was the eighth person in Oakland history to hit over 300 with 24 or more homers. And so there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's some hitters that obviously have come out of Oakland. I took, you know, I took pride in that, obviously, if I remember that. But I didn't get there by fake confidence. I got there by having confidence because of the foundation that I went and put my blood, sweat, and tears into. And, and biggest step for me was stop being emotional about results quit letting results dictate how you think right you dictate how you think and then the results come after that and so how do how how do i dictate that i dictate that by knowing and taking responsibility i'm taking ownership of what what is it that i need to do right and once you start figuring those things out, uh, and what you know, Zach was saying earlier, for me, I, I really that's when I started looking myself in the mirror at night and saying, All right, if I don't make it, that's okay because I'm gonna be the one in charge. I'm, I'm, and I, and how am I gonna be in charge? It's not saying, like, Oh, hey, stop, you can't tell me anything. I'm going to be in charge by how I work, right? And then listening and trying to be open to all these ideas that people have about hitting, whatever it is, and that I'm going to experiment with that. And then I'm going to somehow turn all of this knowledge that I'm gaining and I'm going to make it my own. And I think everybody has to do that. Yeah, the best dudes, they take the information in and they pick and choose what they want to use. The dudes that get lost and and uh, everybody's seen it at, at, at any level and especially the big league level when guys come up and they get bombarded with information and instead yep. of being able to dissect it and say that's not for me that's really stupid i like that it's guys yep. that just they say yes to everything They're like oh my god so much info I, I want it all and they try every mm-hmm. little thing and before you know it they're holding the bat upside down and and nothing's working and i think we've all seen that <laughs> In just so uh, we, many I think we, we've probably all been there. Yeah. I was holding the bat upside down in the middle of the year this year. It wasn't working. <laughs> I, can't, we, I, I, can't, I can't wait to go into spring training this year. After, if I have a good game to go up to AJ and be like, AJ, why am I hitting, why am I hitting so low in your lineup? What's going on with <laughs> we had We had this conversation uh, a few weeks ago. We were talking about different ballparks. And Zach playing Detroit. Me playing Chicago, we've had the cold weather hitting experience. You got to tell us about Target Field first couple months of the year. 
Yeah, it's not fun. We've had to play in snow against the Pirates this year, and I got jammed, and, you know, you get that feeling of just bees stinging your hands everywhere. Uh, and then not only that, you know, hitting balls and juicing balls and then, then not going out. You know, that's uh, that's a, just a, a kick right to the nutsack. Um, so, and, and, you know, that plays with the confidence and – you know, for me, I haven't been in the cold weather like that for an extended amount of time because I was in Toronto. Uh, and then in Oakland, it was always like 50, but kind of cold, but not like snowing cold. Uh, so, yeah, it was definitely different. I think it's almost like I think going into this season next year, part of my plan like early on is like, all right, I'm going to be satisfied with the single. Yeah. You have to be, you guys came when Toronto came to Wrigley, was it 17? How cold was that? Well, didn't you get, you guys came in 17 in oh, when no, the air show, when it was blow, you guys got like the three oh, best days God. Wrigley's ever had. It was blowing yeah. dead out. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And then like that's, so when teams come in from the AL, like sometimes they get that mid summer and they get to be, but you guys came in last year, right? Or when did you come in? When we, came, was- we came. We came in this year, and this it year was at the cold. beginning. Yeah. No, it was. It was the last month. We played you guys the last month of the season twice. Once at our place, and then once at your place, or once at ours, and one once at yours. And it was. It was cold this year for one of the games. And when it's cold and it's blowing in, you got no chance. Yeah, I, well, I hit a ball. I think we, I think we talked about. It. I hit a ball in the gap, and it was like one thirteen at like twenty six, and I barely got a double. Like I had to, uh, like do like a maneuver slide. I'm sitting here. I'm like, what the hell do I got to do to hit a homer? Like literally, that ball's supposed to go four hundred twenty feet, and I couldn't hit it out of three sixty five because of the. <laughs> damn wind was just yeah. <laughs> God, 365 nice. staring at you you're going oh yeah i could get i can get it there nope you can't. and it's tough to see there at night the lights are not great because that's, that's, really that's, really that's why they only play like five night games a year <laughs> yeah we well we played them all yeah they uh there's no lights in center field because it's a neighborhood so the outfield is so dark we don't want to take too much of your time that was awesome but yeah, I really, you know, I appreciate you coming on. Again, I, I said thank you before. I appreciate you signing that bat over. You know, as I, no problem, as I, as I told you on base, you know, you've, you being so vocal about, you know, hitting and, you know, what works for each guy, you know, that's helped, you know, me and a lot of other kids out there, you know, throughout their career. I know my sophomore year of college was like the first time that I actually, you know, could get into balls and, again you were so vocal about it you were on twitter even back then i'm i still mm-hmm. have i have this post from you i i don't know what year it was i can bring it up and you you tweeted you were like you know hitters let's have a goal today you know it's not to create backspin it's like let's watch the trajectory oh here it is this was 8:24:16 i have this on my phone still <laughs> oh sick hitters food for thought today let's not worry about creating backspin let's focus on the trajectory of the ball coming off the bat when outside you will notice the angles and trajectories that will travel the furthest and which ones are out why do i say not focus on backspin because backspin creates a a downward swing b too much backspin is bad too 
Just in golf, a perfect spin rate. Let's less spin and less friction equals more distance. C top spin balls are homers too if hit at the right trajectory. And I remember you saying one day, I don't know if it was maybe the interview with Mark DeRosa, you were saying mm-hmm. felt like you were clipping balls and like you got them and the center fielder would just kind of be camped. So again, yeah. you, being, you being vocal about this has helped, you know, not only me, but a, a, I'm sure a bazillion other hitters out there. And, you know, I can say thank you from, for me, for everybody else. And again, appreciate you coming on, signing the bat, doing everything you do for the game. No problem. We appreciate it. Next time you well, come on, next time you come on, we'll do an hour on analytics and umpires. Okay. Yeah, well, we might even want to do two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it, brother. For both, hey, and I, hey, I talked to probably more on our team too about our pitchers as well. So I love talking pitching. If you guys want to ever get into that, it's, you know, I mean, because once you start understanding that element of it too, it, it helps you as a hitter, uh, and then vice versa as a pitcher. Once you start kind of understanding the minds of guys that are hitting, it helps you in that way too and um you know i think like to say something about zach you know i i appreciate you saying that and i appreciate you know letting me know that what the things that i've said has has helped i i will leave you at this you have to find what works for you ultimately right there's hitting has never been and never will be a one-size-fits-all and so Last story, I talked to Barry Bonds, and uh, I'll, I'll cut you. I'll let you guys go with this. Talked to Barry Bonds just a couple off seasons ago, and Barry Bonds, in my opinion, is the like the number one swing in all of baseball. It's the most fundamental, like mechanic swing in Ever. the game. Ever, and uh, that's why I think he should be in the Hall of Fame, not because of his choices that he he, he possibly had made but more about what I saw of him as a player. And anyway, so I, my agent represented him. Uh, and I want my, hey, like, I bet you can give me Barry's number. I want to talk to him. And so if you had talked, if like you and I were talking and you're like, hey, I'm trying to swing down on the baseball. I would just be like, hey, you're a fucking idiot. Uh, I'm not talking anymore. And, uh, and so – of course, what happens naturally, I talked to Barry and he's like, man, I'm like, he's like, I really just try to focus on early rounds of BP swinging down. And I'm like, no, Damn no. It. I'm like, do not tell me that. Do not tell me you thought about down. And so we had this conversation like an hour and a half long and uh, I get off, I get off the phone with him. And I'm like, All right, let's take this in. Why would Barry think down? Why? And so I started putting it down. Uh, and so I go into the cage the next day and I'm like, all right, I'm going to think down. And so I start taking some swings. And so for me, I have a flat swing. If I think down, I'm smushing balls down. And I'm smushing. It's either smushed down or I'm like popping it and it's going to go up. That's me right-handed. It's either going dead up or it's in the ground. Yes. Yep. And so I'm not fast and I'm not, I can't hit a lot of ball. I can't hit majority of balls at 35 higher and hit homers. So anyway, I start trying to, I'm like, all right, I'm going to take one swing. All right, what would you think? Why would Barry think down? 
and he would think down and for him like down and try to hit balls at the shortstop down and try to hit balls at the second baseman. Well, so I started putting it together. I go, Barry, like, what could he do? Better than he could see one pitch a week and hit it out. So Barry had that natural loft in his swing. So if, if for Barry, if he if he thought about swinging to create like a positive impact at the baseball, he he would get probably so positive that he's you know top spinning a baseball or or popping it straight up, and then probably the swing and miss is going to become more. And so I go, okay, all right, that's because we all look at his video. He doesn't swing down. No. Right. It's not, a, it's not a downward swing. Like, why would he? Okay. So I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, okay, it's the lower half. He's, he's doing this for the lower half of a swing to stay down because what do we want to do? Like as hitters, like when we really start turning juice, like we go, we'll make that initial move down and then we like come up this way boom, to try to lift the baseball. Right. Versus. All right. I want to get down into my load, into my legs here stay down control my rib cage here and be able to move around that but keep it down as soon as my rib cage extends or pops up now that's when we get the top spin that's when we get the swing and miss that's when we you know we start having a whole list of problems that come down and uh so i'll leave you with that find for whatever it is you know, that works for you. This is for hitters that are going to be watching this show. Find something that you can believe in and that you understand. And don't be scared to go outside of the box. But once you go outside the box, have a reason for why you're going to go out there. And then once you can start putting the answers together and start experimenting and collecting that, we'll all you'll, you'll be better for it, right? Love that. I love that. That's great. All right, boys. I'm going to awesome. think about Barry all night now. <laughs> I, I mean, how can you not? How I used good to literally you watch YouTube. I used to watch YouTube. Uh, and every time I try to swing like Barry, I sucked. <laughs> but I'm like, I love, I'm like, this is amazing. I wish I could hit like this, but I can't. I think, awesome. I think we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. See you, man. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. I right, appreciate it. Thank appreciate you. Yes, sir. Yep. Be good. That was our new friend of the pod, Josh Donaldson. Everybody's going to root really hard for Josh to hit uh, 47 homers next year because he's a friend of the pod. That's right. Unless not against the Go Tigers, though. Not against the Go Tigers. Yeah, well, that's, he, a, that's, a, that's a division. That's a division matchup right there. So let's take it easy on the Go Tigers. Is he he's still under up. contract with them, or is he a free agent? No, I, I think, think he signed one more. Two more years. Yeah, two more years. Yeah. Two more, and then a team option. Say maybe maybe he'll go join the Go Tigers because yeah. he wants to win in a World Series. So I I said in the interview, you know, we talked on base a few times. I mentioned to him, I was like, hey, you know, I kind of briefly, I was like, hey, man, I, you know, learned a lot from you. It's pretty cool. And he was so like, he's like, thanks, man. That means a lot. Um, you know, I, I actually hope you learned something from it. And that was pretty cool. Where you know, most guys just kind of say like, oh, thanks, appreciate it. They've heard it a bazillion times. And that was cool for him to actually say, hey, man, you know, it's almost like, hey, I've been there before, been in those shoes. You know, I've kind of been lost. And it's like there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel. That's what it kind of, you know, we've all been there where it's feel like you don't belong playing the game that you've played your whole life.
it's also it's also really cool. He is a dude that, like he said early in the interview, like he he watches baseball and cares about it and like follows. And one of the coolest experiences as like playing against guys that you watched play as you grew up. Like I was a senior in high school when he was breaking the league. I watched him through college as he was like going on tears. Uh, and then when you get to the big leagues and like that dude has seen how you've played, not just against him, but like at other times. And he's like, Oh, that homer you hit the other day. Like when you have that experience, like, like Josh is a dude. And like when he says something yeah. like that, you're like, Oh, damn. that's so that's I, pretty cool. I, again, I was talking to him once and I said, it's like, yeah, you know, he asked how I was doing. I was like, oh, you know, I'm grinding, like whatever. And I said, I don't know how it came up, but the swing came up. He's like, no, man, like, I really like the move you have right here. And this was like the beginning towards the middle of my spiral downhill. And I looked up like, Josh, please do not say that right now. Please do not say that you like my move because it's not working. And if you say it is, I'm going to stick with it. So please just don't say that. It was it was a great interview, and I hope that uh, I hope that people did. I hope the people out there did learn something from Josh's insight. I'll, that's one thing I I will say. It was almost like a tutorial, not really a tutorial, more of a tutorial on a mind like your mindset as a hitter. It's amazing right. how important that is. And again, you know, somebody who has had to search and find outlandish kind of at the time outlandish thoughts and feels you know, has something to be said about what he said, where it's like, Hey, this works for me. It might not work for you, but you might have to go outside of that box to find something that works. Like I might have to hold the bat upside down. Like you said, if you went up to 10 baseball fans on the street and asked them how old Josh Donaldson was when he played his first whole season, I don't think anyone would get it right. He said that. And I, I almost been like, no, Josh, you're wrong. It's not I was that's like, not Josh, right. that's not right. No, he's an ex cub. I was. I had some stuff that I was going to ask him that I never got to because it was such a good conversation. And one he was, was about being I, a cub. I looked up when he was a, he was literally a cub for the year he was drafted, and then he yeah. got traded. So crazy. He he's actually a really good third. I think statistically, he's a pretty good third baseman. I don't know. Very good. And the fact that he was drafted as a catcher is wild. Bonkers. Um, can we Zach? Can we talk about you visiting John Boy? studios yeah. and watching yeah, yeah, game yeah. six yeah no it was awesome except as soon as i walked in i didn't see one compound poster shirt anything anything sounds about right yeah you know they forget to tom move. as as the guy that is there in uh the office how are you not bringing anything in I, I mean, I don't, you know, I was promised a bottle of Parse rum. Ask Zach where that is. You know what's funny is I How did you not get it from your car and bring it back? Because I had to leave my car in. This is in New York City. We're not in Austin, Texas, where people drive cars to one area. I mean, you could have brought it the next day. Could have. Didn't do it. You can tell you that. You still don't oh, have any Parse rum. I, I could not do it the next day. I had something to do very early. Oh what did you have to do? I had to go get some physical therapy done. On what, your hand? No, on just the body. Getting ready to go into the off season. Are you a big-time guy? Big-time guy? What would you do, find a physical therapist in Manhattan? No, I didn't. That's the point. I went from Manhattan to Stanford, Connecticut to get some needling and get some work done. Needling? Stanford, Connecticut. You're big-time. Show guy. From the office. It's called taking care of your body. Look it up. Uh, Zach, Zach, do you know what Stanford, Connecticut is? 
that's, city. That's, that's city where Jim thing. went to work when oh, he that's left. Right, he did. That's did. That's right. Trenton. Fun fact: Bobby Valentine, the old Sacred Heart Athletic Director, old Mets manager, old Red Sox manager, is running for mayor of Stanford, Connecticut now. Wow. Oh, yeah. That is fun. I had fun, fun finding that out. Back. I hope you guys did too. Let's get to screen time. What fun a list, what a list back. of jobs that no, would no, be hey, for Bobby hey, Valentine. Hey, Can you I tell also, us about John Boy actually? God, that's what I'm saying. Him. Yeah. No, it was awesome. Um, and I I had a bone to pick with John Boy too, and I'm happy I got it to say it and to say it in front of the viewers as well. When they were he was talking shit about the Tigers, how he said the Yankees didn't try when we swept them, and I just thought it was a bunch of crud. It was you know? crud. It was a bunch of crud. A bunch of crud. It was crud. You're right. That's you exactly put, what it was. It was crud. That's just a load of crud, man. I can't a believe load it. Load of crud. Um, no, but it it was really cool to kind of see what they do. Where it's we only kind of see the, you know, the highlights and the finished product. But it's going live is different for sure. Were you scared to say something? Say oh, something bad. I I was more scared for that than I was for any of my games this year. Zach, Zach was real nervous coming in, but he got good reviews. Everyone in the office was like, that's Zach Short, well-spoken. No, very good reviews. I actually, cool. got, I actually got a, a message from Jake, and he was like, Zach, really solid dude, huh? It's like, hey, no, oh, no. That's good stuff. I, left I was like, no, he's a load of crud. He's just a big old crud ball. It's, it, it's nice because I was promised also some merch, too, and I went home empty-handed. That's some crud. But you know what, what? we're gonna do? You know what we're gonna do to make it for all this? For all this, maybe we'll get some parsley rum sent to John Boy, maybe just to Tom. You know what else we're gonna do? Because everybody loves parsley. You know what else we're gonna do? Tom's gonna make posters. Okay. Tom, he might be working on trying to get his video episodes, he might be grinding on editing all of our shit that we say, but he really wants to do posters. Tom, this is why we pay you the big bucks, my man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You guys signed my paychecks. I forgot about that. I can't wait yeah. for you to get yeah, half for coming in. Yeah, it's well. He technically kind of does. He's an investor. <laughs> hey, good point. Good bit. point. That chair you're sitting on, I bought it. All right. <laughs> Listen, I tweeted at somebody. We got some stuff in the works. I'm on, I'm out on Twitter I doing the hard that. work. We're grinded. We need we need a poster, just so we can put up something in the uh, in the John Boy headquarters. If you want me to write in a piece of paper, I'll make a poster myself. Just write compound and staple it to the wall if you want. Please, at least in the meantime. Play. All right, I'll, I'll do that in the meantime for you. If I saw that as I walked in, I'd be like, that's great. That is not a load of crud. That's <laughs> great. That's great. All right, screen time. It's been, this is going to be our longest episode in the history of episodes. Unless it's like an hour and a half. it up into two, and then it won't I'm, be. No, we're making it one. I'm putting my foot down. We're leaving it one. Tom yeah, really wanted to split nice, it up dude. into two. Tom was like, I said two, and Tom was like, great idea. Great idea. Love that idea. Love that idea. Nope. Zach will drive over and help. Yeah. Four yeah. hours and 17 minutes. Oh! 418. Damn. And you're, and you're an hour. Ah, shit. Tom, what are you at? Ah, 619. Come on, 619. Dakota. You got there, buddy. Ah, shit. Ah, shit. 533. Shit. Good, good win, Zach. Ah, that's a load of crud. Zach cheated. <laughs> load of crud. This episode was brought to you by Parsley Rum. I love Parsley. You love um, Parsley. Rum, rum, When rum. I say Parsley, you say rum. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. We'll see you next week. Uh, it might be the second half of the Donaldson interview, or it might not be. <laughs> it depends how sleepy Tom gets in the middle of the night. <laughs> see you next week. Bye.